This is the House of Mercy Sermon Podcast, and welcome to it. Today's reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 9, starting with verse 28. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his voice changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with them. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one of the things they had seen. The word of the Lord. Pardon me, I'm just going to read a little bit further along from that passage. Uh, So if you'll just bear with me. So just uh, at the end of what they had just read, the disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at the time what they had seen. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seized him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely, scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and have to put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion, but Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. The word of the Lord, I guess, again. The experience of momentary divine radiance. Transfiguration is the experience of momentary divine radiance. It's a glimpse of divinity in the otherwise utterly earthly everyday. The very essence of the universe can be seen. Does it look like love feels, or does it smell like bright sunlight? 
Is it possible for one brief moment to taste the cosmos creating? This is a strange part of our holy book, and I'm sure there's a lot of them. Okay, really, by strange, I mean irritating. And there are a lot of those, too. You know, this week, this particular text, I don't know why, it, uh, it, it just bugged me. It bugged me, and um, I mean, it could have had as much to do with me as the text, but I mean, look at this. In the last part of the ninth chapter of Luke, all these crazy things happen, and they're all like just set next to each other, strangely, I don't know, they're irritating. It's irritating. Jesus asks his followers who they think that he is. And Peter says, Jesus is the Messiah, the Messiah of God, the Savior. And Jesus orders him to tell nobody of his true identity. Why did he ask? He says, I don't want you to tell anybody because first I must suffer and be rejected and then killed. And then in three days later, come back to life. Which I don't know what one has to do with the other, really. I mean, maybe is Jesus worried that he won't be rejected and killed if they know he's the Savior? Doesn't this seem like a good thing? It is a mystery, or it's strange, or maybe strange or mysterious. There's sometimes one and the same. Next, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up on this mountain to pray. It's a very famous part. You've probably heard of it. And Jesus is transfigured. His face changes and his clothes become dazzling white. Jesus is momentarily experienced divine radiance. And they are seeing their rabbi, who they've just recently correctly identified as the Messiah of God, changing. His clothes becoming dazzling white followed by the appearance of Moses and Elijah, two of the greatest previous messiahs of God. And then actual God speaks to them. The voice of God said, this is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him. Okay, if you want to prove your divinity, this is a solid way to do it. This has got everything. But then, as is the nature of transfiguration... It fades. The voice is gone. The holy men from the past vanish. And Jesus' face changed back, which is the, that's the implication. And so, I guess, then, Jesus' clothes must also have returned to their original non-dazzling white color. You know, there are a lot of instances of transfiguration. There are other instances of transfiguration in the extra-canonical books of the Hebrew and Christian Bible and in other religions. But this is the only one that I found that includes the clothes. The clothes transfigure. I guess it makes sense, you know. One can't be, can't be one's divine self, however momentarily, and be seen in dingy mortal wear. And then, the tra- and then the transfiguration having ended, the text says that they told no one any of the things they had seen, which at first to me seems crazy. They were witness to actual divinity. They saw the divine Jesus. They saw Moses and Elijah. God spoke to them. How do you keep that to yourself? And why would you keep it to yourself? 
Oh, and th- but then I remember what God said to them when God spoke to them was, this is my son, listen to him. And the son had just told them in previous verses not to tell anyone who he really is. So, now while Jesus and Peter and James and John are up on the mountain experiencing Jesus' momentary divine radiance, down on the mortal plane, the rest of the disciples were kind of left to try and get along on their own. And crowds had been showing up regularly to hear Jesus teach and to witness him healing and casting out demons. And without Jesus around to do those things, the crowd was getting kind of impatient. I mean, the text actually says, on the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. So they were looking for him. The crowd met him. The crowd was on their way up the mountain to find Jesus. This unruly, earth-plotting crowd surrounds Jesus, and a man pushes his way to the front and shouts at Jesus, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He's my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast him out, but they could not. There could not be a greater contrast from the mountaintop scene. The glow of divinity, the visitation of the ancients, the voice of God, now down off the mountain, among the scrub trees and the dust kicked up from the crowd, Another voice speaks out to advocate for his son. This is my son, my only child. Help him. And Jesus responds with what reads like disappointments or anger or disgust. You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. Is he mad at the disciples because they didn't have enough faith to heal the boy? Is he mad at the crowd for coming all around wanting to see a miracle? Is he mad at the dad? It seems like Jesus is just mad, just irritable. Like, I think he's just mad because he was just up on the mountain being his divine self in the presence of Moses and Elijah and God. And now he's down with this bumbling band of nitwits that follows him around. The crowd's bugging him. This dad wanted him to cast a demon out of this dirty, foaming-at-the-mouth son. And he has to wear these dull, dingy clothes. He's sick of it. He's sick of it. He wants to go back to being a divine, heavenly creature. How much longer shall I be with you and bear with you? And just to punctuate the situation, the demon then, right then, throws the boy to the ground in convulsion, stirring up more dust and getting Jesus' stupid clothes even dirtier. Jesus rebukes the demon, heals the boy, hands him back to his dad. Here, he's healed. Is everybody happy? It seems like Jesus has fully untransfigured. Nothing is shining brilliantly here. Down at the bottom of the mountain, the crowd meets the very human Jesus. But why is this necessary? I mean, what if the crowd would have started out the day before? What if they were looking for Jesus? What if they would have made their way all the way up to the top of the mountain? Got there in time to see the shining divine Jesus in his bright clothes and Moses and Elijah. 
What would be wrong with that? Why don't we all get to glimpse God's divinity? Why is it kept a secret from us? Why don't we all get to see God's divinity? Instead, we are left down here at the bottom of the mountain with each other, a very human God, begging for some help. Thank you for listening to the House of Mercy Sermon Podcast. Visit houseofmercy.org for all kinds of information and to make a donation. God knows we need it.